This is salt. It's amazing how basic it looks when you get this close. Tiny and simple, yet somehow so very significant. Salt is powerful. It changes things. Salt flavors and preserves. We as humans need it to survive. How does something so small have so much influence? Jesus says that we are the salt of the earth. Like salt, every one of us has the potential to flavor this vast ocean called our world. Salt life, you've probably seen the bumper sticker, right? Uh, some of you probably uh, maybe even wear the clothes, salt life. Uh, I told you last week when we were doing this little mini-series that that, uh, that bumper sticker comes from four guys in Jacksonville, Florida, who fish together, kayak together, surf together, scuba together, and one day on the, back, on the way back from a fishing trip, they decided, they'd already t- always thought about going in business together, they decided, hey, why don't we find a way to communicate what we do every day in our lives within this thing that we're trying to promote. And so they came up with this idea called Salt Life. And now people have put it on, on their cars. They put it on their clothing. The Salt Life. And, and here's the idea that these guys had. The Salt Life, this beach life, this ocean life that we live, it's not like a little part of who we are. It's like who we are. We are around the ocean all the time. It is who we are. So let's promote the Salt Life. And uh, last week I told you that I think if anybody should be able to promote the salt life, it should be Christ followers. Because in Matthew chapter 5, you got your Bible in front of you, hopefully you have your outline in front of you, and I hope maybe you grabbed a a pen sitting in that chair just sitting right in front of you. Uh, We're going to study God's Word together, and I want to go back to that scripture we studied last week, which was from Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God, and when he teaches, he just opens up people's minds and their eyes with just natural things. Jesus uses the metaphor of salt when he says, you are the salt of the earth. That plural statement, not one person or, or some people. He says, you, these are, his, these are his followers right there. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Last week we talked about salt. And, uh, and kind of how we could dig deeper into understanding what Jesus really meant, that salt preserves, that salt purifies, that salt penetrates, that salt flavors. But today, if it's okay, what I want to talk with you about is the portion of Scripture in that little verse that nobody pays attention to, all right? And that portion is when Jesus says, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? I remember as a young Christian... I read that, and I thought to myself, hmm, have I ever had salt that lost its seasoning? Uh, And then I thought to myself, and how would it get salty again? How do you make salt salty again? And I didn't have an answer for that question, but I thought Jesus was definitely trying to point something out, that salt can lose its flavor, and that it might be a challenge to make it flavorful or salty again. And so here's the big question of the day that I just want to talk with you about. I want to answer this question. Big question of the day is sitting right there in the middle of your page. How do Christ followers lose their saltiness? Their saltiness. How do Christ followers stop making an impact in the world because something happens in their life 
that they're no longer flavorful, bringing out the God flavors to the world. Now, this is big, okay? Because what I'm saying is that there are people right now, listen, millions of Christians who are on planet Earth, giving their life to Jesus. Hey, listen, they've been washed in the blood. Their name is in the Lamb's book of eternal life. They're going to heaven, but they're on planet Earth right now, and they're not salty. They're not making a difference. They're not making an impact for the kingdom of God at all. They're living every day just like a person who's non-Christian, trying to, trying to, I guess, live like Jesus, but not really having the effect, the impact, the influence that Jesus was saying you're supposed to have. If you are my follower, Jesus was saying, you're supposed to be salty. You're supposed to make a difference. You're supposed to make an influence. You're supposed to flavor the earth with my God flavors. That's what Jesus was saying. And there are millions of Christians on planet earth who have lost their saltiness. So here's the question. How does that happen? Now, before I answer that question this morning and we look at some scriptures together, I would rather point to this, this fact that I bet you've seen a Christian that's lost their saltiness. Have you, have you seen Christians like that? Let me, let me ask you. Have you ever met a mean Christian? Raise your hand. Yeah, every hand ought to go up in the place, all right? Some, sometimes Christians are just mean. Sometimes Christians can be all, you know, crunchy. They can be all, uh, they can be all nasty. They can, be, they can do all the things that you'd expect a Christ follower not to do. They can hold grudges. They can not forgive people. They can be quickly uh, aggravated. They can be impatient. They can be rough. They can be nasty. See, you've seen, you've seen Christians just like I have that looked far, far, far different than what Jesus is talking about here. They weren't not only making an impact of God in, the, in their community, they were actually representing the other dark side, right? They were not God's representative. And, and here's what we know in the Scripture. I don't have this in your outline, but you can just read it on the screen. 2 Timothy 3, Paul said, that this, is, this is the way it's going to be. There are going to be people, even Christ followers, who sometimes say bad things, do bad things, and they don't live my way. And he said, these people will have a form of godliness. They'll have a form of looking like God, but they will be denying its power. In other words, they will have lost their flavor. They will have lost their saltiness. They won't have God's power flowing through them. And Jesus said, that's not supposed to be you, all right? So what we're talking about here is, go back to the question, how do Christ followers lose their saltiness? And here's the answer. You got your pen? And it was a lot longer than that little blank I left for you, so write small. Here's the answer to the question. How do they lose their saltiness? And the answer is by not being continually filled with God's Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, by not having a daily encounter with God. And what ends up happening is we run dry. All right? Said a different way, all of us leak, okay? And so you can have an experience with God and get all filled up with God's Holy Spirit. You know, be bubbling, be joyful, be, be, be filled with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You can be that way one day. And then if you don't meet and have an experience with God in a dynamic way, in, in a continual way, over time, you'll end up being a person who's not thinking God's thought, not saying God's things, not feeling God's feelings. You'll, be, you'll end up crusty. You'll be dry in your soul. And so what ends up happening is you end up walking in emptiness instead of walking in overflow. 
And God wants you to walk every day in his overflow, in the overflow of his Holy Spirit. Now, let me just real quickly be very, I'm going I'm to point the finger right here, all right? I'm going to point the finger right here. Earlier, I said to you that there are millions of Christians walking on planet Earth who have lost their impact, lost their flavor, who have lost their saltiness. And let me just tell you, I've been there. I've been there. I have been the mean Christian. (laughs) I have been the one who was impatient. I have been the one who was dry in my soul. Just felt like I didn't have a touch from God. It had been so long since I really felt God's overflow of His Spirit in my life. I have been the impatient one. I have been the one who was saying things that I knew weren't the God things he wanted me to say. I have been there in that place where I just felt so empty. And you know what? Guess what? I was saved. I was born again. I had my name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I knew I was going to heaven. Nothing changed about that. But I I I was empty. And let me tell you, by the way, here's what happens. And by the way, I bet you've been there too, right? Here's what happens. When you're empty like that, What ends up happening is you actually, instead of striving to let God's Spirit flow through you and listening to God's voice and and trying to work in partnership with God's Holy Spirit, you end up doing exactly the opposite. You start trusting yourself. You go off your own strength. Or I'll say it differently. You strive in your flesh to do the things that you know God wants you to do, but you're doing it by your own power. You're not doing it with God's power. Hey, just recently in my own life, I was at this place where I, was, I just kind of felt like I was dry. and I, 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 The cup wasn't all the way empty, but I just felt like, God, I want more of your spirit in my life. I'm driving down the road, and I know the appointments that I have in a given day as a pastor. I know there's big stuff, big meetings, big conversations, big moments that I'm going to be in with people where it's going to be a challenging day where how God wants to work in people's life. I'm driving down the road, and I'm thinking about the things that are going on in people's life, I'm thinking of what the wise thing is, the wise counsel that I might give to them about job decisions or whatever it is. And all of a sudden, it dawns on me that all I'm thinking are my best thoughts, my wisest thoughts. I'm I'm doing it all from my brain. And I'm driving down the road, steering wheel in my hand, and all of a sudden, I just say a prayer, a very simple prayer. God, they don't need me. They don't need my best thoughts. They don't need my wisest thoughts. They don't need my counsel. They need yours. Oh, God, fill me up. Fill me up with your stuff, because if I give them my stuff, it's going to be dead and dying. And and so, you know what? Driving down that road in in a few minutes, I'll tell you what I did to be filled with God's Holy Spirit. But the point is, I've been there. I've been just like a lot of other Christians on planet Earth right now who have lost their saltiness because they're not continually, daily being filled up with God's Spirit to a place of overflow, ready to minister for God. So today I'm going to do a little theology lesson with you, okay? A few times every year I, I want to I teach at a, at a little deeper level on some of the theological, that means the, the kind of God things that we know and believe. And today I just want to talk to you a little bit about the Holy Spirit, okay? And it's not going to be overly complicated because I don't think God ever really wanted it to be overly complicated for us. But I want to talk about what we believe. And, and all the things I'm going to say this morning aren't necessarily in your outline. That's why we give you a pen. And there's some blank space in there. You might want to just write in the margin somewhere as I talk about what we believe. Maybe just take some side notes about what we believe and, and remind yourself about what we believe about 
who the Holy Spirit is and how important the Holy Spirit is. So the first thing about what we believe, we are Trinitarians, okay? You know what that means? We believe that, that there, there is one God and he, he reveals himself to us in three different persons, okay? We believe in one God. Now, if you believed in a lot of different gods, we call that polytheistic, but that's not who we are. We are monotheistic. We believe in one God, and we believe him, that he reveals himself to us as, a, as, as the person of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father, the one who created, who plans and purposes and puts everything in order. The Son, who is about the business of redeeming and right now sits at the right hand of God the Father and prays for us. He does so many things for us through the power of redemption and grace. And then the Holy Spirit, which God unleashed the Holy Spirit over this planet for us. And we're going to talk about what the Holy Spirit is all about. We believe in one God who reveals himself to us in three different persons. The Holy Spirit is who I'm going to be talking about this morning. Now, here's another thing we believe about the Holy Spirit. You might want to write it down. We believe that understanding, this understanding about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is essential to us living the God life. Now, why do you say that, Stephen? Because a lot of people, they, they get a little scared about the Holy Spirit. You know, they saw the Holy Spirit, you know, the, 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 these people look doing this and people doing that in worship, and they got a little bit freaked out, you know, and, and they say, I, I'm going to take God the Father, and I'm going to take God the Son, but that God the Holy Spirit, I'm just going to not check into that whole thing, you know? And they are missing out on an essential understanding of who God is and what God has planned and purposed for His promises in your life. We believe that the Holy Spirit is essential for us to live the God life, okay? Essential. Now, um, one more thing. Here's what we also believe. We believe the Holy Spirit, and I said this a little differently earlier, but you might want to write this down. We believe the Holy Spirit is a person. Is a person. Some people think the Holy Spirit, they, they've misunderstood the Holy Spirit. They think the Holy Spirit's an it, you know? And see this table right here? This table is an it, all right? It doesn't have any feelings. It doesn't have any will. It doesn't have any plans. It is an it. I, I, I can't really hurt this table's feelings, you know? It's not. A, it's, it's an it. But a person, a person has a will. A person has plans. A person has thoughts, you know? We believe the Holy Spirit is a person of the Godhead. Now, I, didn't, I, I, didn't, I forgot to tell the guys on the screen, so that they're not going to get this up on the screen, but... Just real quick, three things that I've noticed about how some people deal with uh, their understanding or, or maybe their lack of understanding with the Holy Spirit. You might want to write these down. For some people with the Holy Spirit, um, they, when it comes to the, to the Holy Spirit, they, the Holy Spirit is largely ignored for them. You might want to write that word down, ignored. I said already that some folks, they don't really understand what the Holy Spirit's all about, and so they don't even, they don't even talk to the Holy Spirit. They don't pray to the Holy Spirit. They, they, they largely ignore the Holy Spirit because it's something they've never been taught about. Maybe they don't understand it, and so maybe they're a little bit fearful of it. That's the way they are. They, they ignore the Holy Spirit. Secondly, some people don't just ignore the Holy Spirit. Some people misunderstand the Holy Spirit. Just like I said a minute ago, some people think of the Holy Spirit as an it, not as a person. They don't understand what the, they misunderstand what the Holy Spirit was given to us to do. They don't understand the, 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 the work of the Holy Spirit on planet Earth. They misunderstand the Holy Spirit. And then thirdly, some people actually resist the Holy Spirit. They resist the, the work of the Holy Spirit in God's church or in their own life because they've seen something somewhere. They, we all got different backgrounds. We all got different experiences. And maybe it, 
Maybe it made them uncomfortable, or maybe it made them a little afraid, or maybe they, were, they just said, I don't know very much about this. So, and, they, and they actually, the Bible says we can resist, or we can actually quench the work of the Spirit. Now listen, guys, here at Harvest Point, we don't, we, we, we don't want you to be a person who, who uh, misunderstands the Holy Spirit, or who resists the Holy Spirit, or listen, who ignores the Holy Spirit. We want you to understand what we believe about the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to teach and tell you about the Holy Spirit today. But real quickly, a scripture again, not in your outline. John 16, I said the Holy Spirit is a person. When Jesus was speaking about the Holy Spirit in John 16, verse 13, listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, but when he, notice how many times he is mentioned, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. See, for Jesus, he he had a deep uh, connection with the Holy Spirit. And and when he was talking about what what he was going to do in sending the Holy Spirit to planet Earth and to work in the church and work in the believer's life, when, when he was saying it, it was very personal to him. It wasn't like an it, it was like a he. He was saying, this is so important. I don't want you to ignore it. I don't want you to misunderstand it. I don't want you to, to, to push against it or resist it. I want you to understand there's a beautiful work that I have to do in your life called the Holy Spirit, my Holy Spirit. I want to put it in you. I want to put it around you, and I don't want you to miss out on it. You'll notice in your notes there, I've put a little bit of the different things the Holy Spirit does, Okay. And can I just take a minute to kind of go through these so you'll see how important it is to understand that the Holy Spirit is a person? The Holy Spirit enters, enters the world, and can enter into your life. Uh, the, the Bible says in John that, 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 that He will live with you and He will be in you. He equips. The Holy Spirit gives you gifts. How cool is that, right? So there are spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit, at the moment you come alive spiritually and you give your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit gives you gifts. And the Bible says these are spiritual gifts to do good works. He fellowships with us. I like that idea of God fellowshipping with me. It's the idea that the Holy Spirit comes alongside me and will give me peace and comfort and will fellowship with me. He illuminates. Now, this is cool. He illuminates. He makes your mind be open and your soul be open to truth. He makes the light come on. The Bible says the Spirit will help you to understand the truth. And then here's another one. He fills us. Paul was writing to the Ephesians. He was writing to Christians. He was writing to Christ followers. And he said these words, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. He was saying there's a good work that God's Spirit's got to do in you. I want you to be filled with with it. He fills us. Just a couple more. He empowers us. He gives you power. Not your power. He gives God's power to work inside of you and through you. And then lastly, and this this list could go on, but He comforts us. He guides us. When we don't know the direction to go, when we're praying about a decision, it's the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Jesus Christ and God the Father that comes alongside us and that comforts us, gives us wisdom and guidance in those moments. I'm going to go back to me for a minute. I grew up in Augusta, Georgia. And when I became a Christ follower, I grew up in a United Methodist church. Now, it was a, it was a pretty dry United Methodist church, all right? 
We stood and sat and stood and sat and stood and sat, and we did the Gloria Patri, and, and we did the Apostles' Creed, and we stood and sat, you know. It was one of those, and, and when the preacher preached, it's about four, four and a half minutes, all right? Uh, you better get it quick, because it's coming quick, and we got to go to lunch, all right? That's the church I grew up in, all right? And, and so I became a Christian when I went through our confirmation classes. Now, we offer those in the spring of the year, and it's normally for fourth and fifth, maybe even sixth graders to go through and say, hey, let's not talk about what mom and daddy believe. What do you believe? And we offer these confirmation classes, and we talk to kids about what they believe. Well, it was during that time that instead of me standing on mom and dad's coattails that I made the Christian faith my own, and I trusted Christ as my Lord and Savior when I was 11 years of age. Now, for the next three years of my life, for the next three years of my life, I did the best I knew how. I would study the Bible. I would go to church. I would try to clean up my filthy mouth and my filthy mind. I would try to be like Jesus wherever I went. I did not know that there was a whole dimension of the God life that had never been open to me. Now listen, I know that I know that when I was born again, the Holy Spirit came into my life. My goodness, I couldn't have done half the things I did to change my life and to clean up my act by myself. I couldn't have done it. I know the Holy Spirit came into me. But one day my youth pastor, he came to me and he said, hey, you know what I think we need to do? I think we need to open up the pages of the Bible together. And I think we need to start back with the Old Testament, even when it says God's spirit brooded over the deep back in Genesis chapter one. And let's just go through and study the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works and what the Holy Spirit is supposed to do in your life. I heard preachers talk about the Holy Spirit. I said, sure. And so we launched in my youth group a study on the Holy Spirit. We started studying the Holy Spirit, what He wants to do. All that stuff, some of that stuff I told you a few minutes ago, that He wants to give us power, that He wants to give us gifts, that He wants to fill us up, that He wants to guide us, He wants to illuminate us, that He wants to fill us. And we started studying that stuff. And as we studied it, I started realizing that, that thus far in my little young three-year-old Christian life, I was a three-year-old baby Christian, in my three-year-old Christian life, I learned already in that little short amount of time that I'd already misunderstand, understood many things about the Holy Spirit, that in probably many places I'd resisted the Holy Spirit, and, and that mainly my Christianity up to that point had been what I call Christ-centric. I might say I was a Trinitarian, but all I really knew was Jesus, 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 you know? I really didn't know very much about what God the Father did. And by the way, the God the Father doesn't just start the creation and then just say, okay, I'm going to leave it all the rest of you guys. God the Father is active and he is doing things all the time. And I didn't know what those things were. All I knew was what Jesus was doing. And then I began to study the Bible and I said, you know, God, you've got a Holy Spirit that you have unleashed on planet Earth. You've put it all over planet Earth. You, you want it to fill up my life. There's a whole dimension of the God life that I'm not even walking in. I didn't know what it was like to not have the Spirit in me but to fill me. I didn't know that. And so one night in my youth group for the very first time, I prayed a prayer. <laughs> dangerous. I like that word Coop used earlier. It was a dangerous prayer. I asked God's Spirit for the very first time to fill me to a place of overflow. Hallelujah. I'll tell you guys. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about this in a little while, but if you ask, He does. That's the way He works, okay? You ask, He responds. And God gave me the power of the Holy Spirit for really the first time to a place of overflow. I remember I couldn't stop laughing. I just couldn't stop. I didn't know what I was laughing about. I just felt so full. I felt so free. I just felt so at peace that God's Spirit was at work in my life. 
And I've been a Christ follower for a really long time now, or not nearly as long as some of you guys, but, uh, but I, I've been a Christ follower for a really long time now. And can I tell you that I have needed the filling of the Holy Spirit over and over again because I leak. I get crusty. I get dry. One of the reasons Christ followers, if not the most important reason Christ followers lose their saltiness is because they forget how important it is to continually meet with God in a daily way and get filled up with God's Holy Spirit. Now, by the way, this is not just my story. This is a story that happened in the Bible multiple times, but let me take you to one of them real quickly. Acts chapter 19, and I wonder if this might be your story, by the way. Acts chapter 19, Paul was traveling, and he went to this town called Ephesus, and when he got to Ephesus, I want you to watch what happened. The Bible says, he arrived at Ephesus, and there he found some disciples. Now, these were Christians. They, they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Their name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. They'd had their sins washed, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? What he meant was, did you, did you not only have the Holy Spirit come into you, but were you filled to a place of overflow where you baptized with the Spirit? And the Bible says that those people in Ephesus, they had a very unique answer. They said, well, no, we haven't even heard that there is such a thing as the Holy Spirit. You can go on reading that chapter. The Bible says they prayed a prayer and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and good God, miraculous things began to happen in their life. Those people... They were at the same place that I was. And I had heard about the Holy Spirit, but not really ever been taught a lot about the Holy Spirit. And then all of a sudden, a new dimension of the Christian life was open to me that I want to make sure is open to you. Now, get your outline, flip that over. I want to talk about three ways you can connect in with this Holy Spirit. Not misunderstand, uh, not resist, uh, not, not ignore, but you can say, God, if you have a work of your Holy Spirit to do in my life, I want to be open to it. Three ways you can connect in. And listen, I'm going to use some Greek words, but don't tune out on me here, okay? They're very, very simple, very simple Greek words. All right? Three ways, three Greek words that you can use to think about how the Holy Spirit works in our lives, all right? Very simple. The first one is para. Say that out loud with me, if you will. Para. Para is super easy. And, and in your notes, why don't you just write next to it, why don't you write the word that para means? It means with. With. This was actually the very first way that I, under, even when I went to seminary at Emory University, I was going to graduate school, the very first understanding that I had about who the Holy Spirit is. He is para. He is with us. Okay, now, the Bible actually even has a name for the Holy Spirit. I don't want to go too far on this, but one of the names of the Holy Spirit is the paraclete. He is, he is the, he's with us. He's the helper with us. Para is, he is with us. So read this with me real quickly. We'll read the scripture. The Bible, this is Jesus talking, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate to help you and be para, be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He lives with you, para, He lives with you, and He will be in you. So the first thing I want you to understand about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is with us, all right? He is all over the earth. He is with you if you're a believer. And He is with you if you're an unbeliever. He is all around you. The Holy Spirit is with us. Now, that means that you might have the most evil uncle in the world, but the Holy Spirit is right there with him trying to open up his heart. And here's what the Holy Spirit does when he is with Christians and when he is with non-Christians, unbelievers. He is doing this. Listen carefully. He's knocking. That's what he does. He just knocks. 
He's trying to open up our ears, trying to open up our heart doors. He is knocking. God put the Holy Spirit on the earth so that he would make an impact in believers' lives and in unbelievers' lives, and he is knocking, knocking, knocking. He's, he's whispering, whispering, whispering. He is tugging, tugging, tugging at people's heartstrings and their mind. He's just trying to say, hey, I'm here. He's the presence of God on planet Earth saying, hey, I'm close. I'm close. Would you let me in? The first understanding I want you to have about the Holy Spirit is he is with you. You know, I've been praying for folks before, even folks who are, uh, we have a, we have a, a guy who listens to uh, our broadcast, our, our podcast. Uh, he lives in England. And um, we have this kind of conversation over, over email. And uh, he'll listen into our messages. We are his church. He's never been to Harvest Point. He is engaged by what we do in this place. And every once in a while, he'll, he'll email me and he'll ask me some questions. Now, his name is Michael. And Michael says, I'm not a Christian. I don't call myself a Christ follower. I'm exploring the things of faith. But here's the cool thing. Watch this. When I pray for Michael, here's one of the assurances I have of what the Holy Spirit is doing, that where I am, the Holy Spirit is, is, he is with me, and where Michael is, even though he is an unbeliever, the Holy Spirit of God is with Michael. He's not in Michael, because Michael's not become a Christ fall yet, but he is with him, knocking, whispering, tugging. How cool is that? How cool is that? This is one of the understandings I want you to have about the Holy Spirit. He's all over planet Earth. Wherever there's humans, there he is, and he is whispering, tugging, knocking in their life. Para, he is with us. Second one, notice this one, the word en, and it literally means in. So why don't you say the word? In Greek, I've got to just taught you a word that you can say very easily, right? In, say it. In, and that means in. And, and here's what, read this scripture. It says in, second, in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is, and there's that Greek word, who is in you. He is in you whom you have received from God. You are not your own. So if you become a Christ follower, if you are born again, if, if you spiritually come alive because you trust Jesus with your life, the Bible says at that moment the Holy Spirit comes in you. He's not with you, just with you anymore. Now he is not only with you, he is in you. The Bible says he is with us and in us. Now, this is a very, very cool thing. Let me tell you how this works. The Holy Spirit is now in us, and he is in us to make activity and action to give us power. So how, how, what does he do? Let's talk about what he does when he comes inside of us. Well, one of the things he does, the Bible says, is he opens up our mind, opens up our understanding. He starts to illuminate. Have you ever, let, real quick test, Anybody in this room, you ever been reading Scripture and all of a sudden it was like it jumped off the page at you and your mind was open and all of a sudden it was like God was just taking it and stretching it and it was coming alive for you? You ever been there before? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Wow, look at all the people across the room. You know, that wasn't you being smart on that particular day, you know. You, you, you didn't eat your Wheaties and then get good ideas. That's not you. See, what happens is the Holy Spirit begins to open up your mind and illuminate you because He is in you. That's one of the things He does. He opens you up to truth. That's one of the reasons before I ever, when I am at my best studying God's Word, before I read a singular word of Scripture, I talk to the Holy Spirit. I pray to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you open up your Word to me, make my mind more than my mind can be. Would you make truth come alive to me today? Teach me. 
That's one of the things the Holy Spirit does. Here's another thing the Holy Spirit does. He prays for us. Picture a husband and wife who've got a decision to make, and they don't know which way they ought to go. Zigzag, left, right. I don't know. And so they sit down together. They hold hands together. The Holy Spirit's in one. The Holy Spirit's in the other. They pray, God, what do you want us to do about this? Give us wisdom. They finish their prayer. You've probably been there before. I've been there before. And they look at each other, and they go, what do you think? And she says, I don't know. I just feel like we're not, this is not, this, we don't need to go this way. I just feel like it looks like it's all right, but we don't need to, something is holding back in my spirit. It's not fear. It's not because you're being super wise. It's the Holy Spirit prompting you in what the direction of God is at that moment. And the husband might say, you know, I agree. That's exactly what's going on. See, the, the Spirit is at work in us when we pray, and He is praying with us. You get that picture? See, He opens up our mind. He helps us in prayer. The Bible says he, he, when you're trying to do things for God, He gives you fruit. He gives us peace, love, joy, patience, goodness, kindness. He gives us this fruit. He develops fruit in our lives so we can be more and more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit, when He is in you, He's working in you. All right? You get that picture? He's in me. That's so cool. Now, another word, third understanding of the Holy Spirit. It's the word epi. Say that with me, if you will. Epi. Say it out loud. Epi. I want you to speak Greek today. Epi. Epi. You know what epi means? It means upon or on or resting over or filling up. That's what epi means. It's on. All right? Upon. And the Bible says this in Acts chapter 1. But you will receive power. Remember me talking about that word last week, dunamis? The word we get dynamite from? You will receive dunamis. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes epi upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, guys, the Holy Spirit was given to us for many reasons, but one of the most important reasons of all was so that we'd be witnesses for God in the world, bold witnesses. Look at what happened in Acts chapter 1. The Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 1 and 2, the Holy Spirit comes on them. What's the first thing they do? They don't go out and start practicing the fruits of the Holy Spirit. They don't sit in the room and start praying and ask God to, you know, Holy Spirit pray through us. They go out and they witness because power flows out of them and they begin to speak different languages. The Holy Spirit comes on us to give us power. Now, let me be very clear. There's about five or six words that get used in random all the time. And, and, and if, you're not, if you don't get clued in this, you won't, you won't know. All these words mean the same thing. They mean epi, okay? So you probably heard people talk about, have you you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit? You've been filled with the Holy Spirit? You've, been, you've had the Holy Spirit come on you? You know, There's a whole bunch of these words that are all just the same words. I wrote some of them down that I've heard my, my whole life. You've been anointed with the Holy Spirit. Uh, you, you, you've, uh, you, you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized with the Holy Spirit. These are, these are all the same things as epi. When it's, it's that work of the Holy Spirit that He does over and over again to fill us. Okay, I'm good with metaphors. Maybe I can help you out with a metaphor. I think we made a great decision in this country when we moved from at our restaurants just having uh, drinks at our table where we had to wait for somebody to fill them up to now the drink machine is in the lobby. How cool is that, right? And, and, and I love it. I, that's my favorite places, and they're normally the cheapest places. When I can get up from my own table and go fill up my own drink because I drink almost more than to ask my family, anybody at the table. I'm going back over and over and over again. This is the picture of the Holy Spirit where you can go back and get filled up, go back and get filled up, go back and get filled up with God's Spirit in your life. Why? So this week I was studying it. Acts chapter 2, right? 
The Holy Spirit comes on them, tongues of fire on top of their heads. Which, whew, I ain't never seen that before, you know. Okay. By the way, just because you ain't never seen it before, don't mean that God can't do a specific thing in that place, all right? And here's just another word. Don't let somebody's experiences and somebody's, uh, uh, their, their way of, 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 uh, of having a moment with God, don't let that ever keep you from experiencing the fullness of what God has for his promises in your life. I've met so many people who are just afraid of the Holy Spirit because they went to some church, and that church, they were running the aisles, and, and they were jumping over chairs. And, and, and listen, I've seen it all. I tell you what, I've seen it all. I am not going to let somebody's different way of worshiping keep me from knowing what the Scriptures say and experiencing the fullness of God for my life. I'm not going to let, and I would encourage you, don't do that either. In Acts chapter 2, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, that's great. Did you know that by Acts chapter 4, they had to be filled again? I'm, I, I was reading this past week. I was like, two chapters, and now they got filled up again. How'd they get filled up? Why'd they have to get filled up again? Why, guys? Because God was doing so much work in them. Power was flowing out of them. God needed to fill them back up again. Look through your Bible. The disciples, the apostles, the, 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 the Christ followers were filled up over, 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 over. And by the way, that's my experience. I've needed to be filled up over and over because I get dry, I get cracked. I leak. <laughs> Here's a question for you. Have you ever thought about it? God, why do you want to keep filling me up? See, the answer to the question isn't just so you'll laugh, just so you'll have joy, so you'll feel good about yourself. Did you know that God wants to fill me up this week so I can be poured out? Jesus stood up one day talking to people just like you. He said, you're the salt of the earth. I want you to think about the last time you used salt. Where were you? Probably sitting at your dinner table, weren't you? Reached across the table, what'd you grab? Say it out loud, what'd you grab? Salt shaker, right? And what do you do with the salt shaker? You pour it out. You shake it. You put it on stuff, right? Let me tell you, the essence of what I've been called to share with you today, listen, is that God wants the fullness of him inside of you. He just wants it. And it ain't all for you. Yes, it is for you, but it ain't all for you. He wants to pour you out all over the world. He wants you to bring out the God flavors at your school at your office, at your church, where you play, at the golf course, wherever it might be, the lake. He wants you to be poured out, but you have to be full. You know, I forgot something this morning. I meant to bring a salt shaker with me. Some, some shakers have a little bit of salt. Some shakers are full, right? He, just, he wants you to be poured out. Okay, final thoughts here. Pastor Stephen, how do I get filled with Holy Spirit? How? This is super simple. But I walked for years in my early baby Christian life, and I didn't know the answer to it. I walked in a dimension that wasn't even full, okay? Here's the answer. Got your pen. I'm going to cover them real quickly. The first one is this. You ask. You ask. The Bible says that if we ask, God will work. As a matter of fact, Jesus one time was teaching one day, and he talked about um, dads, and he talked about how good our Heavenly Father is. Read this scripture. He says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, is going to give him a serpent? 
Which of you, if he asks for an egg, is going to give him a scorpion? If then, you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit? <laughs> how cool is that? Jesus knew that we were going to be sitting right here saying, God, what do I need to do to receive the Holy Spirit? How much more, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, he'll give you the Holy Spirit. So step number one is you ask. I'm driving down the road the other day. I know I got a big day in front of me, and I know this. And I'm empty. I'm feeling a little bit dry. And that moment where the light went on, and I was thinking about, you know, I can give them the best of my counsel, but God, I need your counsel. I went back, and I just, you know, radio off, me and God, quiet, driving down the road. Don't have time to pick up a Bible, or I can't read a phone while I'm driving down the road. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because I'm heading into a moment where I need to be full of God's Holy Spirit. What do I do? I ask. You don't need a graduate degree. You don't even need your Bible. You don't need this worship team to get up here and sing a song and get you all feeling a certain way. All you have to do is from the depth and the sincerity of your own soul, say, God, I'm dry. I don't want to be dry. I'm asking today for you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. The Bible says you have a good father. He gives you good gifts. You ask for the Holy Spirit. He's not going to not respond. He's not going to give you a bad thing. He will give you his Holy Spirit. Step number one is ask. Step number two is receive. Receive. Jesus was teaching one time about this whole ask thing, and he had a correlation that he used. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, would you say that word? Receives. And he who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. You just receive it. And I got to tell you, now listen to me carefully. I'm driving down the road, driving my little convertible down the road. Tops up, thankfully, because I needed all the concentration I could get. You know, I'm driving down the road. I'm talking to God and I ask and I did not feel, listen, I did not feel like lightning bolts happened or, or something miraculous changed in me. But I knew that if I asked, He would fill me. And so I said, I made a confession statement driving on the road. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I just began to take some breaths inside my, deep in, deeply inside my, my body. And I said, Lord, I receive the power and the baptism of your Holy Spirit that I drive down this road today. And God filled me up with His Spirit as I received it. You know, this morning, I don't know where you are. You might be where I was. You might be, you know, right now saying, God, I need a fresh work of your Holy Spirit in my life. I don't know where you are, but here's the deal. I just felt led this morning, salt life, week number two, right? Before we have lunch, before we have our games, why not just have a time of saying, hey, you want to be prayed over this morning? You want to you say, you want to make that bold prayer, God, I ask for your Holy Spirit. I need to be filled. There are challenges, there are issues going on in my life where I need all of your power that I can get. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit today. If that's who you are, I wanted to create just a safe environment for you to come and you to pray that prayer. And in, in just a couple of minutes, um, matter of fact, I'm going to invite our, our, our worship team to come out. In a couple of minutes, I'm going to invite you to come here. For some of you, if you come, I want to invite you to kind of get on your knees maybe. If that's a comfortable thing for you, get on your knees kind of in a posture of humility and say, God, I am weak. I, I need your strength. I ask you to come fill me. Others of you, you might stand. And I've, I've asked some other folks, hey, would you just come on and would you just pray for folks, maybe put a hand on somebody and, and, and lift them up and pray for them this morning, that they would be filled, they would have epi, they would have be, they, that the Holy Spirit would come upon them, not just with them, 
not just in them, but that the Holy Spirit would fill them to a place of overflow where they're ready to go back out in the world this week. They're ready this week to go into the world and make a difference, make an impact, be an influence. They're ready to go into the world and bring out all the God flavors they can. Final thought. So Jesus is sitting there, and he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if a salt, if salt loses its flavor, how can it be made salty again? <laughs> I bet nobody sitting there that day knew the answer to that question. He did. He said, it's only good to be trampled underfoot. And then he went on and said, you are the light of the world. Guys, this morning, the Holy Spirit is in this place. I was speaking with a couple of these members of this worship team who get here early, and they were, they were just confirming that for me this morning. The Holy Spirit's in this place this morning. Dad, Mom, do you need God's power? Employer, employee, do you need God's power? Christ follower who's been walking kind of in your Christ-centric mode with really no deeper understanding of the Holy Spirit, and you've been walking in kind of your own flesh, do you need today to say, God, I don't want to walk in my flesh anymore. I want your Holy Spirit. This team's going to pray. Uh, they're going to sing a song. They're going to pray and sing a song that we've heard on the radio. We've sang here, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. I just want to open up this altar and have you Pray a simple prayer. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. You want prayer this morning? You want to be filled? Come forward if you will. The altar's open.